0: Listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. Oh, it's a fantastic <laughs> there's a deflection the
1: keeper. on there's shot goes
0: And welcome to Totally Pro League episode 16. <laughs> what a another thrilling weekend of hockey. Some uh, very interesting results and uh, we'll get to them Pretty much straight away because I've got a special guest joining me in this episode. Josh Belts, uh is going to be joining me. He's been out for a few games, a little bit injured recently, started the season well. Uh, but he's back fit and firing and ready to go. And While he's been off injured, he's been doing a bit of forward scouting and the behind-the-scenes stuff that hockey players seem to get up to these days. Uh, it'll be great to hear from Josh and his thoughts on the Pro League as well. That's coming up very shortly. But first of all, let's race through the results. Because there are some rippers across the weekend. And gee, for week's a long time in sport and politics, two days is a really long time in hockey. And perhaps the story of the Great Britain men who start off our weekend review is uh, a case in point. It wasn't a good weekend to start for, for them. Uh, getting underway on the 30th of May, it was Belgium and Great Britain at uh, in Antwerp. I'm not going to embarrass anybody by trying to pronounce the pitch name. We'll just leave it at Antwerp. And uh, it was a game that Belgium pretty much totally controlled. Uh, They were very clinical and very efficient. Uh, Great Britain sneaked a couple of goals back in uh, the second half, but it was the four goals that Belgium scored in the first half. And some, it's the old stages again. Uh, number 10, Cedric Charlier started the scoring in the ninth minute. Then it was number 27, Tom Boone uh, in the 15th minute, a field goal, that one. Um, Charlier from penalty corner. Then it was Charlier in action again in the 19th minute, making it 3-0, this time with a field goal. And in the 20th minute, it was Alexander Hendricks who put a penalty corner in to make it 4-0. Um, probably from there, Great Britain would... I'm not going to win. They're a pretty good side, Belgium. They managed to score a couple in the second half, but, uh, Belgium's defence, I don't think was going to let them score four or five, uh, to get any value from the game out of it for Great Britain. Uh, they did score in the 38th minute through number 15. It was Phil Roper from a field goal and number three. Luke Taylor picked up a penalty corner in the 47th minute, but it just wasn't enough for, um, Great Britain there. Statistically wise, um, Belgium pretty much had that wrapped up in circle entries, 35 to 25, 18 shots to 10, and a possession was 51 to Great Britain, 49 to Belgium. I think we've talked about the possession statistic before. Let's get on to the next game, and that was the women's turn this time, Great Britain and Belgium, and... uh well, it was a match the Great Britain girls would have been lucky. They needed to pick up points. Uh Belgium, perhaps in the same place as far as development-wise goes. uh The two teams, although maybe Belgium a bit further ahead. And Great Britain is starting to bring back their more experienced players. And it was Belgium who got off to a fine start, leading 2-0 at quarter time, thanks to goals uh to number 25, and that would be Pauline Le Clef, and number 7, uh, got into the action in the, yeah, after, well, effectively in the last minute of the, the first quarter. And, uh, that was Judith van der Meeren. A scoreless second uh, term led to a half-time score, still at 2-0. Then in the third period, Belgium came out and scored again in the 38th minute. as time it was a field goal to number 15 and Sophia Wines. And, uh, led into a 3-0 scoreline at the th- final break. Uh, one goal apiece. Great Britain managed to score back a bit of a consolation goal in the 50th first minute. Uh, through number 10, Sarah Robertson, a penalty corner. Um, didn't mean much because Belgium snatched a goal right back in the 52nd minute. And it was number 19, Barbara and the captain, scoring there a field goal. To make the final scoreline, 4-1. Anything you can read out of the statistics... Um, 51 to 49 percent Belgium over Great Britain as far as possession goes. Surprise, surprise. 40 to 24 in circle entries uh, and nine shots on target to two Belgium over Great Britain there, and that was probably a fair reflection of the game. Moving ahead because we've got to get move ahead quickly to get to uh, our guest Josh Belts. It was uh, off to spooky nuke for the United States as they took on New Zealand. I think that's the United States' last home game. Uh, match 98 and um, well it was a a must win game for New Zealand no doubt there and they did win 3-0 was the final scoreline plucky first period and first half from uh, the the USA girls Uh, New Zealand led 1-0 at half time thanks to a 20th minute goal to Taryn Davey Uh, and that gave the New Zealanders the lead, and they backed it up again then in the second half with goals in the 30, 32nd minute, just after half-time. That was a number 28, Uh Silo Glowen, who uh, managed to score a field goal there. And then, who else, but Olivia Mary, she had to pop in on this one, scoring in the 51st minute, uh, with a field goal, a nicely taken field goal, we'll... we'll she just keeps rolling there. It seems like she must be going close to a goal again, just under. She's doing very well. Um, and New Zealand will be happy with the performance and probably a scoreline that reflects the game there. The, the statistics um, were reasonably close, really. 40 circle entries to 32, which you imagine signed in a fairly open game. And the USA actually had more shots, according to the stats, 11 to 7. But it was New Zealand's ability uh, to put the ball in the net. And... Uh, that got them across the line there and some very important points heading across to Europe. Next up we have the Netherlands taking on Great Britain and this was the women Oh, I forgot to mention the previous game in New Zealand and the United States of course was the women's game with the men not being represented there for the United States uh, Next up we're off to Hockey Club Orange Rood in Eindhoven as uh, Great Britain and the Netherlands hit the track the women and uh, and would say it was probably a result that was both respectable for Great Britain and expected to uh, some extent. Netherlands running out 2-0 winners. They got the scoring underway in the 12th minute. It was number 15, Frederick Matler, who kept the pressure on uh, Olivia Berry scoring there with a field goal. And then in the 20th minute, they took a half-time lead of 2-0 into the game after number 19 uh, for the Netherlands managed to get in, in, in. Mar- Mar- and in. Maran Veen. Uh, so 2-0 half-time scoreline, and there the game remained. A, a very good performance from Great Britain, I thought, in the second half to, to hold the uh, the Dutch girls out. 2-0 uh, is the worst scoreline in hockey. Uh, I might, might bring that up on the reverse ticket one day. Uh, uh, the Great Britain girls tried, but they just didn't seem to have enough for that final forward uh, pressure that got conversion. Um, I think Mark Hager would probably be fairly happy, apart from losing 2-0, but the they certainly held their own in that second half and perhaps uh, a bit of luck and a bit of fortune going their way could very well have at least taken a point out of that game and maybe two with a shootout of course uh, not to be and it certainly puts pressure on great britain women 's team now to uh, to make the finals we'll talk about what all that these results mean a little bit later on when you take a look at the tables and of course following the women 's game it was the men underway at four pm they at Oh, hockey Club, Orange Road, Netherlands and Great Britain. And I'll tell you what, oh, some of the social media stuff after their loss to Belgium the other night was uh, quite interesting, not kind. And they've gone from boiled lollies to chocolates with a 3-1 victory over the Netherlands, which does put a little bit of pressure now on the Netherlands. Uh, as far as qualifying for the finals goes, they'd be looking at now thinking, oh, we've got a little bit of work to do. And Great Britain, uh, they've still got a bit of work to do, but they're in the box seat at the moment. And they got the scoring underway in the first period. In the 10th minute, uh, when number 31, Zachary Wallace slipped in a field goal. Uh, the Netherlands struck back quickly in the 12th minute, and it was number 30, Mink van der Veerden, who scored a penalty corner there to tie it all up at one all at quarter time. That was the score at halftime as well after a tense battle during the second quarter. Uh, but then it was when Great Britain started to assert their authority on the game after halftime, uh, right on the brink of three-quarter time in the 45th minute, a field goal wonderfully taken uh, by Sam Ward there uh, to make it 2-1 to Great Britain. And then in the 46th minute, it was uh Christopher Griffiths who slipped in unnoticed almost. <laughs> Managed to pick up a third goal for a fantastic victory to the Great Britain uh, men away in uh, uh Eindhoven there. So the 3-1 victory certainly has uh, got them sitting pretty as far as these remaining games goes and their place on the table. Now we keep moving on. We get to Germany and Belgium. They were underway on Sunday as well. A packed day of hockey, it was. What a fascinating, intriguing game this was. Played at Antwerp, Belgium, the home side. It was Germany who got the scoring underway in the first quarter, the eighth minute. Number 15, Tom Grambush. Funny how all these big names are starting to pop up if you're listening to the scorers. Uh, certainly the big boys are starting to stand up when it counts. Uh, he scored from a penalty corner, uh, said the eighth minute there, to give... Germany a 1-0 lead at quarter time and it was Belgium who struck back in the second quarter uh, they scored a goal in the 21st minute it was number 32 and that's uh, Tanguy Cousins uh, to make it one all and then in the 29th minute it was Simon Gunard who scored uh, another field goal that made it 2-1 in favour of the uh, Belgians but Germany just snuck in right on the a whistle at half time there to score from a penalty corner. It was number 15. Who would have guessed? Tom Granbush again, making it a double. Uh, then a, an intriguing center, a second half. Uh, Germany came out of the blocks of 42nd minute and scored through number nine. Uh, Nicholas Wellen. He managed to pick up a field goal, and then in the 45th minute, right on the break of three-quarter time, it was number 22, uh, Marco Miltkow, who uh, scored a field goal to make it 4-2 for Germany. Uh, They would would have been thinking that the, the game was well within reach for them, but it was as champions do, and Belgium are a champion side at the moment. Uh, they clawed their way back into the game. First, in the 54th minute, it was number 32, uh, Tangoy Cousins, once again, a field goal. Well, you will take goal, I thought. And, uh, they backed it up a minute later, the 55th minute. Five minutes of the game left, number 16, um, Alexander Hendricks, slipping past a penalty corner there to make it 4-0, four all tied up. Fantastic game of hockey. Very exciting to watch. Plenty of action there. Scoreline tied up. Let's go to the shootout. And uh, it was Germany who prevailed for the bonus point there. Much needed bonus point, it must be said. Uh, winning the shootout four goals to three. Um, some uh, interesting attacks on the ball, you must be said. Uh, we won't go linking there too long because I want to get to Josh Belts pretty quickly. At... Yes, Belgium probably disappointed to uh, to drop a couple of points there, but Germany, I think, uh, would be more disappointed in dropping a couple of goals in the last few minutes to, to cost them victory in that game. Uh, statistically, uh, Germany had 29 circle entries to Belgium's 34. Shots on target were pretty even, 11 um, to Belgium. Sorry, 11 to Germany, 10 to Belgium. Penalty corners, 15 to Belgium, only 5 to Germany, 12 in the third quarter, uh, last quarter, according to the stats from the FIH. Now let's move on to, uh, more games. <laughs> These went on, on Sunday's games, it's 2nd of June once again. It's, uh, Belgium taking on Germany for the women in Antwerp and, uh, well, Germany pretty much showed that they're back in form and uh, they're going to be in trouble come the last weekend in June when we get to the FIH Pro League Finals. A 4-0 victory over the Belgium girls, who've been showing some really good signs and looking uh, like they were, had made a lot of headway, and that's not to say they haven't, but uh, Germany certainly stamped their authority in this one. Uh, number 12 for Germany. As Charlotte Stappenhorst once again, these big names. She scored in the third minute, and then backed it up in the uh, tenth minute with two field goals to make it two-nil at quarter time. Uh, tenth second quarter, Belgium fought back in um, some even period of play, and then Germany slipped past another goal in the fortieth minute uh, to sort of start the second half in their favour with a. a penalty corner to number 28 that's Rebecca Grote. and uh in the 58th minute they put the icing on the cake uh number 12 Charlotte Stavenhorst for the hat-trick to make a field goal once again to make it 4-0 Charlotte stay out um uh, reasonably even on the the um circle entries 34 to 29 Belgium certainly had uh, their opportunities there but shots on target 3 to 10 um, not too much to be made from the rest of those. Uh, then we cross from Europe to China and we're at the Wujin Hockey Stadium. And it was Australia taking on China there and a quite intriguing game, this one. Uh, China got the scoring underway in the 14th minute just before quarter time to take a 1-0 lead. And it was number 29, uh, Yi Shen, and uh, she scored from the field to give China that lead at quarter time, which they held until half-time. Still 1-0 at half-time. And China were playing some pretty good hockey. I think the the Australian girls were struggling to adapt early on. uh, China showed that they were prepared to play quite entertaining hockey at times as well. Then uh, come the very end of the third quarter and in the 45th minute, Australia struck back China couldn't put that second goal in uh, and Australia took their opportunity. Number 10, Maddie Fitzpatrick uh, scoring a penalty corner there. That was, as I said, right on the, the bell of half-time, which meant they were locked one-all going into the final quarter. And it was Australia who took the lead in the 49th minute. Number 26, Emily Chalker, uh, picking up the field goal, give Australia a 2-1 lead. Then in the 56th minute, they extended their lead, thanks to uh, a goal from um, Rosie Malone. She scored a great field goal there, and Australia perhaps breathing a sigh of relief. Uh, to give them a 3-1 lead, but it wasn't all over in the 59th minute. It was number nine for China, who got them back in the game to give them a second goal. Uh, when you Zhu uh, from the field, uh, once again, you only have to lapse in for a second, don't you? And uh, things can drastically change in a hockey game. Uh, but, uh, Australia managed to hang on in those last few seconds to take a well-deserved 3-2 victory and a very important three points before they head across to Europe. And once we'd finished up at Wujin, we were back to Europe as the Netherlands took on New Zealand and those games were played as we record yesterday, the 4th of June. Last night, today, depending on where you happen to be, uh, they were back at Hockey Club Orange Rood, the Netherlands, and perhaps uh, not the matches we were necessarily expecting uh, of either of these games. And uh, that the men's side of things, it was a nil-all draw, Four quarters of hockey, couldn't get a goal. Nothing to talk about except a tense, perhaps bruising, and uh I'm not sure it was one for the purists or not, or whether it was one for the crowd. Um, very intriguing game. We'll leave it there. But, um, well done to the New Zealand men. They've been struggling at the bottom of the table all all year, and our um, guest Josh Belt's coming up very shortly. He mentions uh, New Zealand's trials and tribulations a little bit during our our little chat but uh, that led to a shootout of course because someone's got to walk away with some points somewhere and the Netherlands winning the shootout three goals to two to take the bonus point there, they'll be uh, happy they at least got away with a bonus point from that game, I'm pretty sure uh, the coaching staff, maybe not the players, but they would have had in the mind Well, maybe not even the coaching staff, maybe the administrators who have to plan and organise all these sorts of events would have had it in their mind that this would have been a game that they picked up the uh, three points from boost their percentage and I think they're really in danger perhaps of uh not making the finals of the fiH pro league, but we'll talk about that more in a second uh as i said in intriguing game to have ended at uh nil all at the uh, at the end of the game, considering of course they're going averaging five goals a game in the men's side of the pro league at uh you don't have to necessarily have a bundle of goals to make a game interesting, and uh, next up also played on the fourth of June at. Orange Road Eindhoven was the Netherlands versus Germany and it was the Netherlands who got the scoring underway early in the 6th minute uh thanks to number 15 Frederick Matler uh she managed to f- pick up a field goal and then uh, we had to wait to the 46th minute before the Netherlands into the third uh, final quarter for the Netherlands extended their lead to two goals, uh, thanks to a penalty corner taken by number 13, Kai van Mansaka. Uh, Germany hit back just a couple of minutes later in the 48th minute. Uh, it was a field goal to number 24, uh, Pierre Martens, which led to uh, a very tense final 10 minutes of the game. Germany just couldn't find the equaliser. Uh, The Netherlands couldn't quite find the goal that might kill them off either. But the Netherlands will be happy to take uh, the three points away from that game and consolidate their position on the Pro League table. And we'll get to the Pro League table shortly. For that, we've got a guest. You are with Totally Pro League host John Lee and this week we're featuring a guest on Totally Pro League and it was my great pleasure earlier in the week to catch up with Josh Belts, he's had a bit of an injury, he's missed a a few games, he started in great form this year in the Pro League and uh, we thought it'd be a great idea to get the players view on what's happening. Josh Belts, welcome to Totally Pro League. Thanks for having me. Look, you you have been out injured. Uh, can you let people know how that's progressing and and where you're at with that?
1: Yeah, I'm um, I'm back to back to full training and um, back to match and stuff like that. So uh, looking forward to getting into it.
0: Now, Josh, you you started the season uh, playing in the Pro League with the Kookaburras, You've missed a few games through injury though. Um, that's all well and good now, and you're, you're back in the program.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um broke my finger at the end of last year but that's all sorted now and um, yeah part of the squad looking forward to the next few games.
0: Now while you've been out injured you've been uh, doing a bit of forward scouting for the Kookaburras. Can you let people know what that entails? Yeah I suppose
1: um, everyone within the group um, obviously we know our opponents are fair way out so um, myself and a few other guys in particular but um, across the board we've sort of been trying to Look at the other teams and look at, um, I suppose, opportunities um, for the Australian team to how we can get a better result and then, um, I suppose, what teams are trying to do to us. So it's been a bit of a, a group collective, I suppose, moving forward. But, um, yeah, I'm one of the sort of guys, um, I suppose, heading it at the moment.
0: So when you guys look at our opposition teams, are you looking at individuals within those teams or are you looking more as an overall the team does this or the team does that?
1: Uh, yeah, a bit of both, um, and I think each player's got their own specific way that they look and, and analyze at a game. But um, I think when you get to this level, you've got to look at look at both um, the teams and how they play and have their, I suppose, ways of play and and what they do more times than not. And then um, when you really want to get into it, looking at what specific players do and um, and trying to pick up, I suppose, nuances in their game that that you can maybe exploit.
0: Josh, one of the things I hear people say very often is, uh, um, oh, international hockey at that top level, it's all very much the same. All the coaches do the same sorts of things. So, Is, is that true? I mean, is there a vast difference in the way teams go about it? Yeah,
1: I, I think so. Um, and I suppose maybe it's, it's hard to get a, a grasp, particularly watching on the TV for, um, I suppose some of the, the intricacies and, and little differences in the game just because of the, maybe even the camera angle, but, um, yeah I suppose when you look at it, even if you compare our style to a lot of the europeans it's it's different and and yeah maybe um you know in like marking or or a zonal start press um I suppose they're two different things but um when you compare us to to other countries in the world, I think everyone does that a little bit a little bit differently everyone's got their own i suppose stamp on it.
0: Now, do you do the same thing for the Australians? Do you you look back through your own games and and analyse them and then pass stuff on to to your players, or is that something that the team does as a collective?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose that's part of the review process um, after each game, um, looking at what we did well, what we did not so well, and then, um, yeah, I suppose trying to use that information on the training track and then putting in the practice in in the matches going forward.
0: Now, yeah, Josh, I've got to ask you, how, <laughs> how hard is it to, to do that in front of the group when you might be potting someone? And say, look, you didn't do this right. Yeah, no,
1: that's something that, um, I suppose that it's a difficult conversation, but one that I think we try and have more so than not. Um, I suppose everyone in, everyone in the squad's, um, in there for the same reason. That's to get better and to, to hopefully achieve some pretty big goals. So I think, um, well, I know that everyone's sort of on that same page and that, yeah, there may be some tough conversations and um, myself, no doubt, have been on the end of um, someone's where really you're happy to cop that you haven't probably done the right thing or you need to be better in a certain situation. But um, for the most part, and, and definitely that's what we're trying to get to, is that it's all part of the improvement. And I think um, if you're willing to sit back and reflect and hear what they're trying to say, um, I think it goes a long way. So I don't think anyone's necessarily calling you out or saying that you're doing the wrong thing deliberately, it's just that they want better for you and better for the team.
0: Now Josh, just talking about the Pro League um, itself, uh, we've got a funny situation where some teams have played more games than other teams, etc, etc, and it's, it's worked out on this percentage basis. Now, Australia finds himself going back to the top of the table this week without having played a game. Uh, yeah. How difficult is it for you as players to sort of read where different teams may be at?
1: yeah i suppose it's really difficult and I think we haven't um I don't think we've really sort of looked into too much about ladder position or or anything like that um as cliche as cliche as it is we've sort of just been trying to focus on. The next couple of games and, um, I think we're in a good position, um, just looking at our points and our percentage, but, um, yeah, as like you said, there's gap teams with on, like, you know, we played eight games, some have played ten, um, and even bigger disparities. So I think, um, yeah, I don't think we'll be reading too much into the actual ladder positions until it comes on this time, hopefully.
0: Yeah, look, you're just about, the team's just about to head to Europe for the, the final leg. It's a, a huge month of hockey at the, <laughs> coming up. Um, yeah, you, you know, you're very well placed. What what do you see as uh, as would be successful? Do you you know do you do you think that you can probably drop a couple of games and you'd still th- see it as a a reasonably successful tour, so to speak?
1: Um, uh, no, I wouldn't say um, we'd be <laughs> definitely by no means hoping to to drop any games or yeah, or considering that okay, I think um we don't get to play the European teams much. So every opportunity, um, whether it be that we need to win the game for for standings or or what have you, I I don't think really will come into it. It's about um, getting like high quality exposure against teams that we don't get to play super often, particularly in Europe. So I think, um, yeah, we're going over there to to win lots of games and and to then hopefully do well in the finals if we get there. But, um, yeah, I can't see... um, being taken off if, if we were I suppose safe
0: Now at the beginning of the Pro League there was uh, some talk going around that um, there was a different the games were being played differently it wasn't like the old tournament style uh, you couldn't just sort of work your way into it, you had to be on the ball from game one straight away have you have you noticed that there's a difference in the way teams approach these games in the Pro League than they as opposed to playing tournament hockey?
1: Um yeah, yeah, maybe. I suppose with the one-off games, um, and, and obviously we had to finished all our home games now, and have had those couple um, away games in the, on the Pacific leg. I think, um, yeah, you, you get one opportunity, and and for example, travelling to Argentina to play there, um, you go a long way for just sixty minutes of hockey. So I think, you know, I mean, you don't get a tomorrow or a um, oh yeah, we've still got a few games to go in the tournament. So um, I think there's a bit more pressure on it, um, but. Yeah, maybe, maybe teams are fresher just because it's that one game or, or maybe the double header at the, the very most. But, um, you got guys going in fresh, tapering from the week before, um, ready to, to hit the ground running from the first whistle. So, um, yeah, and, and teams are taking in 18 fit players. They're not, um, trying to nurse someone maybe through an injury, through a tournament or something like that. So that might have something to do with it as well.
0: Now, there's been a bit of noise coming out of Europe recently about the travel impost on players and the player welfare, etc. I mean, of, of all the teams, probably the, the Australians in, on the men's side of things and the Argentinians are the, are the ones who are doing the most travelling. Do you think it has an effect on players? I mean, you guys travel a lot anyway. If there was not a pro league on, you'd be in you know, Olympic qualification mode. Is it, is it that much more than you'd, you'd expect in, in any normal year?
1: Um yes or no, I suppose it, it's probably just a different location. It's like like I mentioned before, um I don't know when the last time the Cookabras went to Argentina, but that was a trip that um was a bit different, um, just in terms of time difference and everything like that. But yeah, I think you're right in in the sense that there's typically been a European tour of some form throughout each year, um, which is basically what this um second half of the pro league's gonna become. And I think uh I think the travel yeah is is there but I don't think it's something that's super um I suppose or has a has a great effect on performance or anything like that um and I think I speak for the whole group when we like we're happy to to travel and to get hopefully this pro league tournament um on and and to better things in the next few years so um yeah it's an exciting time for hockey and I think the travel um even if it was a little bit too much I think we'd be willing to do it just to try and get this Pro league, yeah, really pushing forward.
0: Yeah, I must admit, if someone said, uh, do you want to play a game for Australia, I'd travel anywhere for that.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Argentina before, and obviously you haven't been there terribly often. How, how do you find the crowds and the um, the, the, the hockey scene over there? Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, I think, um, it was good because we played, uh, directly after the women and obviously the, the Argentinian women's team, um, and also the men obviously, uh, highly supported and um the men being the reigning Olympic champions, they got a good crowd out as well. But um throughout the week training in the um at the centre and, and having a few fans around and then the atmosphere on game day was yeah was incredible. Um I've played in India a, a little bit and, and that's um yeah, amazing and I think Argentina was very close as well. Um they're very passionate, it was very loud and uh yeah they, they love their hockey over there so it was a pleasure to be a part of.
0: Do you, do you get the chance to suck up much of the local culture and those sorts of things? You get around a bit and see things that perhaps if you were playing in a tournament you wouldn't get the chance to.
1: Uh, yes and no. Well, we um, so we went to Argentina off the back of the Anzac Day game in New Zealand. So we, I think we had landed in Argentina on the.
0: Listening to Totally Pro League, the podcast that's all about the Pro League, and that was Josh Belt. Thanks to Josh for joining us, Uh, Kookaburra, and uh, hopefully we might get to see him running around with the Kookaburras very, very shortly. He's not with them playing wise, but he is still part of a a setup there for them, and um, it'd be good to see him get back out on the field. As one person I was talking to uh, before I, I, did the interview? I saw. Oh, I'm going to be speaking to Josh, and their comment was, "He is the a Rolls Royce of a player." So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him back out there. Right, let's get to um, tables, goal scorers, and the upcoming games uh, very quickly. For the women, it's Olivia Mary after a goal on the weekend, still hanging a neck out there at front of the uh, the goal scorers tally. Six from the field, two penalty corners, and a penalty stroke for a total of nine. Frederick Matler kept the pressure up. Uh, she scored five field goals, a penalty corner and a penalty stroke for seven goals, and an outright top 30, Savannah Fitzpatrick. She uh, picked up another one. Six field goals for her, going 100% from the field. That's what we like to see. Uh, there's been 194 goals across 55 games, going at about three and a half goals a game there. It's pretty consistent, uh, that percentage at the moment. Uh, 111 goals from the field with 57%. Uh, being that number, uh, for the men, what have we got here? We've got, uh, 200 goals scored across 38 games for an average of 5.2 goal, goals a game, which certainly makes that middle result we talked about earlier an outlier in this league. Uh, that's a total, uh, that's a uh, 137 goals from the field at 68.5% Colin Batch Badger- we heard uh, talk earlier on in the year about expecting the uh, the number of goals to drop, and that certainly has. And uh, certainly, as it, as it tightens up, we'll see the percentage there of field goals be what dries up I think more than the, the percentage the, the number of penalty corners being scored per game but we might look into those stats when we get the chance. Power Camarda still leads the table for the men he's scored 8 goals, 7 from the field and a penalty corner. Phil Roper from Great Britain, he's kept the pressure up on the weekend, 6 field goals, a penalty corner for a total of 7 and Sam Ward, 2 top goal scorers in the, the 2 of the 3 top In the league, coming from Great Britain, three field goals, four penalty corners. He's sitting on a total of seven, uh, equal second place. And Maso Casella from Argentina with a total of six. He's got the even split two, two and two. Now, what does this mean for the tables, all those results? Well, Australia, having not played on the weekend, have gone to top place, courtesy of the percentage system. Uh, they played nine, had seven wins and are on 81.5%, that's 22 points. Uh, Belgium uh, had the chance to consolidate themselves well and truly at the top there, couldn't do it, 79% with 19 points. Great Britain have jumped to third place now. They've played 10 games, so they've got one on hand on some of their contenders. Uh, but They've got 16 points from there at 53% from those 10 games. The Netherlands are in fourth place. They've played nine games. They've only had three wins, though. Uh, they're sitting on 51%. Actually, so with the number of games that have got crammed up, if you lose one now, it might not be enough to get you through that 50 odd, around 50%. Might have to be a bit higher. Argentina are in fifth place. Uh, they've played the most games of anybody on 11 games. Remembering, of course, the men only play 14 games. So there's, for Argentina, only 9 points left on the board for them. They're on 17 points at 51%. So I think it's going to be hard to see them, uh, get any higher up the table. Germany, interestingly, 9, played. Uh, they've only had the two wins. They're on 44%. Uh, so they've got five games in hand of 15 points. Currently, Great Britain is sitting on 16 points, so you think, even though it's worked out on percentage, that um, they're probably going to have to... they're, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Spain, I would suggest, are gone at this stage. 10 games played at 33.3%, only 10 points. And New Zealand, 10 games played... Uh, Three points they've picked up across the competition so far at 10%. So it's an interesting times ahead for people that like to ponder ahead based on the, on the tables at the moment. Great Britain did themselves every favour with their victory over the Dutch. Um, and uh, perhaps uh, Argentina might be a team that gets them, but as I said, the number of games left them to do that are very limited. The Netherlands, they could be caught by Argentina they're not in good form at the moment they wouldn't want to lose too many more and they'd be hoping argentina don't win too many more either let's look at the women now interesting there as well the netherlands they're out there on top they've played 10 they've got 27 points again at 90 percent they're home argentina are the next team now they've played the most of anybody they've played 14 games only two games to go for them they're on 35 points at 83 percent I think they'd pick up one or two more points there and they'll go close to uh, finishing second certainly uh, be playing in the finals. Then it gets a bit interesting, Australia, once again. Then, now, they've played 12, so they've got four games to go. They're on 24 points, 66.7%. Uh, so they've, they've got some points they can still pick up there. They'd like to think that they can pick up some. Even picking up bonus points in the shootouts would be handy because what's coming below them might put some pressure on their finals place. although I think one more win might see them home in the finals. Belgium in fourth place. They've played 10 games. So they've got plenty of uh, points in hand. They're on 18 points. They're going at 60%, and that might be enough to see them play in the finals, running around that 60%, Mark. Germany... Uh, 11 played, have had 5 wins, perhaps not as many as people thought, uh, 17 points at 51%, and that's not probably going to be enough to get them through into the finals. New Zealand, they've played 12, which means they've got 4 games to go, which is 12 points available if they won all of those games, they'd be on 24 points. Currently, Australia is on 24 points, uh, with still four games to go as well. And they're in third position. So if Australia could pick up one win or a couple of bonus points here and there, that would put the finals out of Great Britain's chance, I think. Uh, and they'd be competing for a place with Belgium, who have a couple more games in hand over them at the moment, having only played 10. Then we get to uh, New Zealand. Do we mention New Zealand? 12 played? They go of one five the fifteen points, so they're more likely than Great Britain, forty one point seven percent. But they'd need to really turn it on in these last four games coming up in Europe. China have played 15 games, so they've only got one to go. Uh, they'll be staying where they are pretty much. 24.4%, 11 points in the United States in ninth. They've picked up seven points, had a win, which was good to see. 16.7%. So that's what's happening with the tables. Let's look ahead quickly to the uh, upcoming games as well, because we're going well and truly over tonight on Totally Pro League, 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 League. And what's coming up this weekend? Well, as you're listening to this podcast, perhaps these games are even being played. It's, uh, tonight, today, tomorrow, the 7th of June, uh, Germany versus Great Britain, uh, those games getting underway in, uh, in Great Britain, uh, local time, uh, 1930 for one of them. <laughs> and then the next day, 1930 for the other. I think I've got a confusion here in the official FIH Beatles. Uh, pro league schedule. But Germany are playing Great Britain, uh, men and women. Very important games for both sides, uh, especially the women. If they don't pick up any points, it's pretty much say they're going not to be, they're not going to be going to Amsterdam in the last weekend of June. I've got to, have got to copyright that. The last weekend in June, folks. And uh, the most exciting weekend in hockey. I'm going to call it that. Then on Saturday the 8th, uh, at 1.30pm, Belgium take on the Netherlands, uh, both men and women backing up there in those games. Uh, they'll be crackers you'd think, uh, a home for Belgium. Uh, on Sunday the 9th, it's Germany versus New Zealand, uh, and then the Netherlands versus Belgium and Great Britain versus Australia. They're all going to be in action. Germany's playing Spain on the 10th. That's a men's game, women's games, and a man's game there on Sunday. Look, it's all happening in the Pro League in the next uh, few days and weeks. Coming two or three weeks, it's going to be so much hockey, it's going to be hard to get our head around all of it at the same time. And thanks for joining me. Enjoy the games this weekend. I'll be looking forward to Great Britain taking on Australia, that's for sure. Uh, it should be a ripping game. Until next time, take care, uh, enjoy your hockey and the pro league as it happens. Uh, We'll be back next week with hopefully a co-host. See how we go. Bye for now.